Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Something that might interest you. <laughs> well, here we are. Another episode. Hi. Hi. It's the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me, as always, is my fellow hosts, Ariel. Do I get to say hello this time? You do. Hello. <laughs> Daniel. He already left, but hi there. Oh, my God. So today, we're going to be talking about episode four of the Resident Evil Netflix series. And no, I don't remember the title of it. Don't even ask, Daniel. The turn. The turn. I actually really liked this episode. I'm not going to lie. It was okay. I enjoyed this episode. There was one redeeming quality of this episode for me. We'll get there. Listeners, you can't <laughs> see me, but I'm rolling my eyes at Aaron. So before we get started, Daniel, synopsis time. Okay, I'll figure out what that means, but I'll give you what I think it means. So Jade and Baxter find themselves at the mercy of the Brotherhood's demented leader teenage jade and billy received distressing <laughs> news about their father okay <laughs> that's what i have all right ariel you're up for the swing let's do it let's talk plot yes oh my gosh wow <laughs> All right, so like always, this is the then. Oh, then. So in a flashback to Tijuana. Tijuana! <laughs> Angel Rubio is investigating Umbrella, where he interviews Susanna Franco, the wife of a deceased factory worker. He liked his baseball. She describes how he was bitten at work, developed a rash... And became hypersensitive to light and sound. And over time, he became more and more aggressive. Over a period of three days before supposedly killing people. But even that is not confirmed due to corporate secrecy. 
Then she had asked him, do you believe me? And he goes, of course I believe you. (laughs) So then she gets up, grabs something, and comes back, hands him a USB drive. which had a folder in it marked 1998 and contained a document titled Raccoon City Incident. (laughs) Yes. So, back at the lab, Albert is hard at work developing the antiviral agent. But specimen 3-20 being an unexpected failure anchors him to the point of shouting and ordering his lab techs to get out. And he has estimated only three hours left for poor Billy. So, Jade gets invited to a party at Simon's house. But she's conflicted between going because of Billy's condition, who insists on going anyways, that of deciding that if the disease is fatal, then she is going to have fun beforehand. So they arrive at the building site, where more apartments are being built. Kids are drinking, having a good time, and Simon decides to do this little skateboard stunt and comes up and talks to them. He had apologized for what happened yesterday Billy just said she was crazy and then asks for a skateboard so she can also do the same stunt to which she does and then applause are going around and she sees Jade talking to Simon and gets super pissed off so having tracked down Jade's address Angel infiltrates New Raccoon City in a vegan cupcake delivery van He had been following various people from town on Instagram to spy and happens to see Billy's picture of her doing the stunt. So, elsewhere, Evelyn and Diana are having yoga exercise with a random goat on top of her, but gets a call from Roth about Angel, who they flagged as suspicious and who Evelyn identifies Back at home, Al has prepared a drug for Billy, but finds the girls are not at home. He whatsapps Jade, but gets no response. As night falls, Jade checks in on Billy, who is feeling tired but still conscious. She's kind of laying down on that scaffolding, and Jade kind of thinks she's dead, but she's not. So, Angel arrives at the party looking for Jade. He starts asking for her around and, you know, kids start screaming, NARC, and running. So, he ends up spotting Billy and Jade and confronting them, saying that they're in danger. He asks them what they know about the Raccoon City incident. Jade believes it was something to do with a gas leak or a fire, but he insists it was a nuclear attack planned by the U.S. government to cover up what Umbrella had done and the mass outbreak. He demands to get an interview with the two girls and Al. According to records, the two girls do not exist. While Al should have been dead in 2009. Because he was bitten. 
Oh. His comments scare the two girls who flee. When he tries to catch up to them in the street, he is detained by raccoon security. Evelyn oversees Angel's interrogation. He calls her out on the disappearance of Susanna and reveals what he knows, that Umbrella moved work on Joy to New Raccoon City, and someone has been infected by a lab animal. Billy and Jade are close to getting home, but Billy begins feeling strange and starts shaking. However, the timer expired five minutes prior, convincing Jade she will be okay. While they want to believe this was all a hoax by Angel, the questions about their father and themselves still linger. So, now we are to the now plot. The Brotherhood Convoy drives their new captives through their territory on a raid where the state's enemies are crucified upside down. For being heretics. Baxter is happy to be a captive, owning a chip in his arm, and takes the time to joke about SpongeBob being one of the works preserved by the university. Because he loved SpongeBob. SpongeBob's the shit. The prisoners arrive at a prison containing some 300 zeros all chained up. Taken upstairs, they are introduced to Felix Mort, who believes. The plague is God's judgment for man's heresy, with the zeros merely the sinners made to kill the others to ensure a just world for the elect. While in their cells, Baxter teases Jade by suggesting he is working for Umbrella to protect Charlie and Cardi. Because, you know, there is kits. <laughs> Fucking done with this show. Just to find out, they are Pomeranians. Seeing Jade's anger, he comments she is the same as her psycho sister. Because who doesn't love dogs? I mean, I do love dogs. So, Lying around, Jade becomes intrigued by the Zeros, who are coordinating as a workforce for the Brotherhood, moving a large rotating mechanism to power the prison. They are interrupted when one of the USS troopers is dragged out of a cell and violently cut to pieces by a chainsaw man in a burlap sack. Huh, I wonder what that is referencing. <laughs> Who throws the body parts to the laborers as food. One of them being the Mother Zero. Whose shrieks manipulate the behavior of the other Zeros and they begin working once more. Understanding his coming fate, Baxter persuades Jade to help him with an escape attempt in exchange for being reported dead. The two succeed and rally other captured USS troopers who recover their weapons from a locker, killing the chainsaw man in the process. The Zeros are inadvertently let loose, and two troopers are lost, manning the gates, while Baxter finds them off alone, while a female operator as Jade runs off with a chainsaw. While searching for an escape route, Jade is passed by a group of cultists, one of whom, revealing the Zeros, are controlled by a mutant woman they found in the forest, who he believed to be their queen. With the chainsaw, Jade ambushes the queen and makes a deep cut that burrows within her. She decapitates the queen so she can preserve the head for further study, and continues running as the Zeros, now uncoordinated, flock toward her. Locking herself up in a room, Jade calls Arjun and hears 
B's voice. She prepares her final words, but the phone cuts out due to low battery. As Azira's prepared to break in, Jane tries to Jane tries but fails to start the chainsaw, electing instead for a hand grenade, which also fails. As Jade gets up, preparing to manually de detonate it at the cost of her life, the door flies open, crushing it and setting it off anyway. The blast kills many of the Zeros and leaves Jade in a weakened state, where she is saved by Baxter. When he is grabbed, likewise, however, she is too weak to save him and escapes up a sewer hatch to the outside, only to be put under an umbrella spotlight. So there, Aaron, you got Baxter's death. Boom. And that is the plot of episode four, The Turn. So, uh, one hell of a plot here, huh? Yeah, like I said, I actually enjoyed this plot. And it wasn't just because of the Resident Evil 4 references, which there was a couple, but <laughs> I actually liked this episode. This was a really good one, I thought. Well, uh, rev up them chainsaws, because we're going to go ahead and go to the mid-brain. I don't know. I can't do chainsaw noises. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we are in the middle of the episode. Ariel! It's awful mid middly in here. Oh, wow. Could you say it any more depressing? It's awful middly in here. I'm sorry, I asked. <laughs> so, we have to thank... You're welcome. Not you, our patrons. <laughs> so, we have to thank our patrons, such as our VIP patrons... <coughs> Starting with Banana the Bard, a.k.a. Bananakin. Ban banana Bananakin Bardwalker. You say it so I eloquently. I said it a lot smoother. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Barry King, Chris Slate, The Dog 47, Glenn Meeks, Jay Zoobs, Jeremy Kelly, Lord Salad Bar, uh, <laughs> Naked Mango, The Compound, The Seven Sins, and William Jarrett. We also have to thank our all-access patron, Remington Cloutier, and our official patrons, Quattro Hawkes, Paul Murphy, Ryan Black, and some random guy. So thank you to our patrons. You're wonderful. We love you. Yes, thank you, patrons. We do greatly appreciate it. And thank you, listeners. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show. And nobody would listen to me reading articles because Aaron doesn't listen. <laughs> Not true. 100%. Not true. Uh, but uh, Daniel, what'd you bring? All right. This <laughs> one's more for Ariel. And since now we're in November and past Halloween, uh, this is something Christmas oriented. You son of a bitch. We still have Thanksgiving to go. This so is, back to this. Uh, <laughs> this gives you time to get this for her before Christmas then. Because you won't want to give this as a Christmas present. You want this for Christmas. <laughs> so on Etsy by the creator Joel Van. It's J-O-A-E-L-V-A-N. I may have pronounced that wrong. They have custom Resident Evil 4 Christmas ornament. It's got Leon on it and Ashley 
and Ada, as well as Krauser and Luis, I believe. Luis. And you can get it. It normally it's nineteen or sorry, it's nine dollars and seventy four cents for one, or you can get a pack of five for twenty nine ninety nine. They're currently on on sale. They're normally twelve ninety nine a piece, and they come out of California. So if you want to get a Resident Evil Four Christmas ornament for yourself or Ariel or someone else you know that likes Leon. They have those on Etsy by Joel Van. So let us know if you get them. Or if you get Ariel one, we'll definitely know. I would (laughs) most definitely like one, yes. Anybody out there want to buy me one, please? (laughs) And you can custom get your name put on it. Yeah, just Ariel. We'll see, especially if Naked Mango gets you one. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, it would be funny to see because you know him, and he would get something ridiculous, which would probably honestly be awesome anyway. That's, that's so. why I figured it'd be funny to see what he would put if he did do it. But that is what I have. Oh, boy. Well, Ariel, what do you have for today? Merch. Just kidding. I read an article. Oh, okay. Much like I always do. And this one comes from PC Games, and the title is Capcom's first ever Resident Evil remake is 75% off on Steam. Say what? Yes. So, all you PC gamers out there. Before we had Leon and Stalker Mr. X, before Nemesis started wearing bin bags... Capcom remade the very first Resident Evil. (laughs) And now, thanks to Capcom's Halloween Steam sale, you can get the HD remaster of the Resident Evil remake for a ridiculous 75% off. Yes, you heard that right. Now, thanks to Capcom's spooky season Steam sale, you can get the survival horror gem for just $4.99 or $3.99 Euro. If you've never experienced the horrors of Resident Evil, now's your chance. And if you have, why not step back into the Spencer Mansion? Do it. Do, Do it. it now. Do it now. So yes, that is what I brought. <sighs> I love the Capcom horror sales during Halloween. It's always great. Yeah, five bucks. Not bad at all. I bought that game when it first came out for like close to 50. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm glad you're talking about old Resident Evil games, Ariel, because today I brought something special. (sighs) Daniel runs out of space on his computer all the fucking time. You can't prove that. (laughs) Uh, Probably because of you. Yes, I Uh, blame him. But you know what helps with that is having your portable USBs. Not having Aaron? Not having Aaron helps with that too. (sighs) But you know, USBs are so boring. So what if I told you I could get you an awesome Resident Evil 2 inspired USB? Hmm. What would you think, Daniel? I think he's lying to you. (sighs) But I'm not. (sighs) Do you remember those oh so lovely 
chess access keys the from Resident Evil 2. Night of September? No, not the 21st. <laughs> Those chess keys? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I have a USB chess key here on Etsy from the creator, the Pixelated Owls. I love your emphasis on B. B. <laughs> USB. So what I have here is the chess pieces uh, from Resident Evil 2, and they are USBs. You very, very, they have very ranging sizes of storage capacity from 64 gigabytes at $54.99 all the way up to 512 gigabytes for $104.99. They are crafted to look identical to the chess access keys from Resident Evil 2 and the bottom pops off to reveal the uh, oh so uh, coveted USB drive (laughs) Uh, you can get them in different chess pieces from knight, bishop, king, queen rook all the way to pawn okay that is kind of awesome so uh, yeah that is available on Etsy from the Pixelated Owls, or you can go to our show notes and click directly on the link. That's what I brought today. Okay, it's kind of cool. <laughs> so with that being said, our lovely merch and info drop part of the episode is finished. I guess it's time to go to the end of the episode, isn't it, Ariel? Y'all. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go now. I'm gonna do it. Hasta la vista, baby. Okay, pushing the button now. Mm-hmm. So, son of a. <laughs> roll on over to Fan Roll Dice. Use our promo code AlmightyC10 and save yourself ten percent off. Dice, dice trays, dice towers, dice bags, all dice accessories. Do it do it now and they have their new holiday releases coming which they look awesome and i want them all it is like black black light stuff so black light dice trays and dice and uh it looks super cool you'll have to check it out i really want some so yeah and new dice sets coming out with the dragon scale dice and stuff like that. So definitely go check that out. You can save yourself 10% off by using our promo code. Then you can switch on over to Nixie Gaming. Use our promo code LOZ Lore and save yourself 10% off. Switch accessories. They've got docking stations and cables and switch cases and all of that stuff. They also have controllers, which their new thing is the. GameCube controllers. And now they have the pumpkin orange one that Aaron wants. <laughs> so, yeah, save yourself 10% off. They're awesome products. Then, zoom on over to Dubby Energy. I'm not going to do it. Mango does it better. He does. So, Dubby Energy. And save yourself 10% off. Their products by using our promo code FUMBLING4. Now that's FUMBLING and the number 4. They have a whole different variety of different tubs. 
of the powder. Which I think is about 30, 30 servings, 30 drinks worth mm-hmm. for about 40 bucks. They've got different flavors. Beach and peach and dub slush. That's just my favorite. I need to buy that <laughs> just because I like saying it. And Galaxy Grenade and just they they have a bunch of cool flavors. You'll definitely find one that you like. Save yourself 10% off. It's definitely cheaper than going out and buying energy drinks. So, there we go. I am done. Now we can go to the end of the episode. But wait, there's more. (sighs) Ariel, new merch dropped in the merch store. Oh? Yes, right. If you head on over to fumblingforstore.com, you can check out some of the new merch that we've dropped. We've dropped the Bloody Good Time collection for the Fumbling 4 fans. And we've also dropped the deeper, darker Cthulhu collection, which is a badass black hoodie with like green archaic runes up and down the sleeves and across the hood. And I fucking want it. <laughs> it also comes with matching sweatpants, dog tags, and... Uh, Flippy floppies. Because, you know, eventually summer's going to come back. You're going to need some flippy floppies. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. fumbling Go get some merch. Please. <laughs> and that's the end of the mid break. <laughs> and here we are at the end of the episode. It's discussion time. It's awful Indian here. Oh, boy. So, uh, who wants to start? So. We're in the mansion? No, we're not. (laughs) So I guess I'll start with the whole then scenario, I guess. So here we are again with the whole normal teenage girl thing. Going to party. And more unnecessary drama. So the whole Billy is upset with Jade because she's talking to Simon. The whole I'm jealous because you're talking to Simon and how dare you, you know, talk to anybody other than me. I get it. It's probably setting up for something that happens in the future with Billy. Because, I mean, they've already said before she's in the future or the now, I guess. She's like psycho crazy. But still. Ridiculous. I love how she started off as the nice one and became the bitchy one. (laughs) Yeah, because she was like super nice and there for the environment and very, I just want to be friends with everybody. And now she's like, how dare you talk to anybody other than me? Basically, is what she was saying. Calm uh, down, psycho. (laughs) Narc. That was hilarious. (laughs) I would have thought she would have recognized him. 
like from my point of view, if my point of view is the camera where you're up with Jade and Billy and you're looking down, I kind of recognized him. So I would think, I know lighting might have been different for them, but if my point of view is the camera that's right there with them. I wonder if she did recognize him, though, because she was very adamant about getting Billy out of there. Like, we need to go now. But she was the one who was talking to him about this stuff. He seemed to be the only one with possible answers. Yes, but everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Everything changed when <laughs> Billy got infected. I wonder if she was then like, uh, we have to stay away from this guy because he, like, Billy's infected. So I wonder if that's what it was. Well, there's also that, but there's also the risk of everything got a lot hairier now. And now they don't want Umbrella to find out about Billy. True. So she's like, this dude's clearly a narc and he's going to try to turn Billy into a story. So we need to GTFO. I just, I love how that kid just stared at him and then just said, narc. <laughs> like just, I'm staring at you talking to me, asking for uh, Jade Wesker. Narc. I think he was more like, well, are you just meaning because like, he was an adult there because that's immediately what I thought was he was like the one of few adults there and they were going to be like he was going to stop them from partying. Yeah, like, yeah, essentially, because it, it was just funny to me because the kid just stood there staring at him. It wasn't an immediate like narc and running away. He was just, I'm going to stare at you. Maybe he's a computer program and he took time to analyze the dude. Maybe they were insinuating the kid was drunk. I don't know. It just... It was. It just made me laugh. That's all. It was not, just funny to me. All these kids have beards. <laughs> I think it was the build-up for the comedic approach of everybody at home watching, and they're like, "Is he gonna tell him? Is he gonna?" Nope, narc. <laughs> well, and even then, that kid might not even known offhand who Jade and Billy were. Because even though Wesker's their dad, and yeah, he's maybe known, you probably still got your clicks in the school that I still don't know who that is. I've never dealt with that person. Or because Billy, even though she did that whole great skateboard jump, and everybody's like, yeah, they're probably like, yeah, I don't know who that is. <laughs> but if you described her to him, he could be like, yeah, that was the girl that jumped with the skateboard. There's a bro code, okay? Narc! Billy's one of us. Narc! <laughs> I like how that has been one topic of discussion. We're just talking about the kid yelling. That's it. That's the only thing I wanted to talk about when this, this scenario was narc. Another thing I found funny, too, was at the end of the then little plot thing, when they were running back home and Billy stops and it's like I feel weird it's happening and she starts freaking out and everything and then Jade was like yo the timer went off like five minutes ago and then all of a sudden Billy was perfectly fine oh oh yeah I feel fine I'm it just just it was funny <laughs> that was a oh I'm just a hypochondriac moment <laughs> oh, oh yeah yeah I feel fine actually everything's fine it was just hilarious <laughs> really wanted to be like Oh no. 
I don't, nothing, something's wrong. Nothing feels right. Yeah, you just got done running how many blocks? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That's why your body feels tingly. Do you not run often, you jackass? <laughs> I've never ran in my life. This is what it feels like, dummy. <laughs> and I could see some of the effects that she's dealing with could be mental in her head. I mean, some would be physical because we know that she's been infected with it. But I think some of the effects could be purely mental. I want to know why she didn't turn. I think it has something to do with Wesker's blood. Oh yeah, they heavily insinuated something. Well, that and Wesker's been dead since 2009. Apparently, but I, I think that he's using the girls. He, I don't know, cloned them, made them so he could take their blood to suppress mm. the T virus that he was affected with. Yeah, so maybe he did die in 2009, but it's weird because the Raccoon City incident would have been nine years prior. Mm -hmm. or, no, he got infected in the Tijuana incident. 11 years. Because I think they said in the episode that he was there in the Tijuana incident. The angel, I think he said that, that he was there and that he had gotten bitten. He should be dead. But I think what happened was he got bitten and found a way to stay alive. By using their blood. I think. Like creating these blood bags. That's a horrible way to put these girls. But well, didn't Evelyn say that? Probably. She called them blood bags? She did. Yeah, so creating these blood bags and whatever he used to create, like whatever's in their blood helps combat. It doesn't, it's not an antivirus. It doesn't take it away completely, but it helps suppress. The thing that we're all kind of scoping over is the fact that they try to do this big reveal about how they don't have social security numbers or birth dates or anything. And it's like, no, duh. Like, that's not a shock to us at home. No fucking duh. <laughs> what I think is dumb is why not? I understand they were using it to place emphasis on that they, they are, they're not real, technically, quote unquote. But you would think someone as smart as Wesker would forge. Because eventually, they will go out into the world. They're going to need their birth certificate and social security numbers and stuff like that. And there's no way that he could feasibly force them to stay with him because he's going to need them for their blood how is it? he gave them freedom this whole time essentially quote unquote freedom I don't see him saying oh you're 18 now and you want to go off to college sorry you have to stay with me because I need your blood I don't really see that being a plausible scenario now I see more of a plausible scenario of him just offing them when they turn 18 and then making new ones. That just sounds awful. Because I get it's Wesker and a normal Wesker, yeah, that's how... Normal Wesker wouldn't even bother giving them any sort of freedom. To be honest. But he seemed in the prior episodes, he seemed to actually genuinely care about them. So I don't just see him offing them. I mean, yeah, I care about my life support, too. 
I get. I know what you're getting at. You're not wrong. I'm not. I I see it the same way you do. But that joke was just too good not to pass up. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I I'm more focused on the fact that they tried to make that a big plot reveal for us as the viewers at home, and it's like, yeah, no, duh. Clearly, they don't have all this shit. They've lived in secluded communities their whole life. They've even said that. No shit. Yeah, I just, it just still seems weird to me that Wesker wouldn't have forged documents to make. He probably did because they probably lived off the grid. Like, they said they moved at the very beginning of this and they said they were going to like a public school and all this other stuff and he started work for Umbrella again. So he probably did forge shit back in the day. Yeah. That's weird. So I was doing some math because, you know, I'm great at math here. Yeah, when you have a calculator cheater. That's fine. So <laughs> the beginning of the series, episode one, is 2022. Mm-hmm. They clearly say that Jade is 14 years old, which makes her birth year 2008. If he died in 2009, he was infected a year after then it makes it more convoluted to me if they were created for quote created before the incident of Wesker getting bitten that makes I don't know if it's a continuity error or maybe they were trying to explain that because they were previously tinkering with joy that maybe he created them beforehand as if like a fail safe in case something happens but then once he got bitten he just kind of took over them I wonder yeah, because to me, that if you minus 14 from 2022, it's 2008. So it just makes it seem weird that that year, it'd be different if I, if my year came out as 2009. Then I would be like, okay, that kind of... Unless maybe it, lay, it happened in late 2008 and they just rounded it to 2009 as... Possibly. Tijuana! <laughs> that's, that's my only thing I was wondering because... They stated that she's 14 and the time frame to me doesn't line up somewhere in there. Yeah. So, um, enough about the then. Let's talk about the now. Oh, this is the favorite, my, my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> Take it away. Baxter in this episode. Okay. I really started to like him. I did. I really started to like him. He was funny. He was hilarious in this episode. And man, I was sad when he died. His children. Yeah, he went on this big heartfelt speech about how he was working for Umbrella because they help him protect his children. And his children are taken care of and going on this big heartfelt like Jade was actually starting to feel for him till he showed the picture of the Pomeranians. And then she's like, are you fucking kidding me? We don't like dogs. Makes sense since your sister's a psycho. Oh, it was just so funny. And then his little quips his just sarcastic little quips throughout the whole episode just made me love him because he was hilarious. And then and then on top of that, how badass he was fighting the zombies or the zeros. Sorry. 
he became like fucking Chris. <laughs> you guys went on an hour long conversation about how you thought either he was faking her or maybe he was really a klutz. And yeah, just this beginning. is the only thing he's good at. Like the whole thing before we recorded, that was the entire conversation. He was an absolute badass. He had his own little montage scene of like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, I'm going to break your arm and do all this fucking badass shit for somebody that stumbled downstairs. <laughs> oh, stairs, ate a hair cookie. It's just, it was a funny scene watching him be a badass. Like, that was Chris-level badassery in Baxter, and it was hilarious, and I absolutely loved it. That's why I love this episode. And I almost wonder if, and that could have been a thing that they did for the series, is they made him seem clumsy in that style, so that way the fans didn't know that he was going to actually be a, a badass. Because, like, I mean, even in the, the first time we saw him, he shot that guy right in the head. No issue. Yeah. So you're like, well, but you just stumbled down the stairs. But then, you know, they kind of, I think they left us to wonder if he was actually going to be, like, useless or not. Yeah, it's like they were almost setting him up to be this comedic relief character. Come to find out he's a badass. He probably could have got away with, like, not showing the picture of the dogs. And he would have had Jade more on his side. That was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. You don't like dogs? Because he was, the the funniest part about it is he was 100% serious. Well, you know what she should have said in reply back? Is after he said you don't like dogs, she should have said, yeah, neither does my sister. (laughs) (laughs) But ironic. Uh, Or she could have said, I don't like dogs because of my sister. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just loved how serious it was that, like, the actual legitimate reason he is working for Umbrella is so they will protect his dogs. So his dogs are taken care of. And he was 100% serious about that. His poor Pomeranians. I know. Like... What's going to happen to them now? Was it Charlie and Cardi? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Charlie, Sheen, and Cardi B. <laughs> That's the only thing we can think of. And you know, the best part is we haven't even talked about the typewriter. Oh, I was going to get to that. I oh, just okay. wanted to, because I said my, I love this episode and it wasn't based on the Resident Evil 4 references. So I wanted to go into why I actually loved this episode first before I went into that. Oh, uh, okay. All right. I was like, we think we focused maybe 10 minutes on the, on just him. And we haven't even talked about the fun stuff that we found. He was, he was just that important to this yeah. episode. He, he made that his episode. He's dead now, so when, unless they have flashbacks, he's not going to come back. Yeah, and then that's honestly, that's why it was my favorite episode because of all the shit with Baxter. So moving on. <laughs> yes, Chainsaw Man. And not only was he Chainsaw Man, who was a normal man, by the way, he had his burlap sack. What was the purpose of that burlap sack? Don't know, but I loved it. <laughs> I think it was, I think they were just hiding his face because more like the executioner style. Probably, like back yeah. Back in the day, you know, the executioner wore the hood, so you couldn't see who your executioner was, and neither could the families, so they can't blame. Yeah, I can't go and kill the 
executioner. Yes, even though he's just doing his job. So maybe that was the whole reason why, in this case, he had the burlap bag. Probably. Yeah. I still, I love the reference to Resident Evil 4. And also the typewriter. That typewriter, as soon as you saw that, you were like, typewriter. (laughs) Yeah, because I think it came up twice, I think. Where they were, the camera, you know, was pointing at Jade with that typewriter right there. Love it. Love the RE4 references. And yeah, there's typewriters in other games, but with the Chainsaw Man, I just. It's the fourth episode. Resident Evil 4. Oh, shit. I didn't even notice that. (laughs) Yeah, so. Loved it. Fourth episode. Oh, now I'm going to have to go back and watch each one of the episodes to see if they well, have. Actually, I wonder if that's why the third episode had the liquors and the spiders. Yeah, because liquors didn't and come in Nemesis. until. Remember, you? I think it was. I think Shuttles. it was three where you have the spiders yeah. in the city. Ooh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go back. I'm going to have to. Oh, I think so. I'm pretty sure it was three. That makes my Easter egg heart tingle. <laughs> are, you, are you starting to tingle, Billy? I'm starting to tingle. <laughs> it's called running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were the spiders were in three. So, uh-huh. so in two, what did we get? Episode two. Baxter and cookies. Yeah, I don't think there was any B.O.W.s. No, One said, was the Caterpillar. Said, you said Barry. And two was introduced. Oh, Barry was introduced in one. We're going to have to... We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do the science behind this off... The science. The science behind this off the pod. And then we'll we'll bring what we conclude on the pod. Because that's that's an interesting revelation. If they put everything from four in that fourth episode... Oh, let's and, see what's in five. Daniel, oh, your favorite. Oh, yeah. No, that would be four. Oh, uh, sorry, yeah, not Ganados. Um, Majini. Majini, yeah. <sighs> Gosh, I'm so ready for this. And, and, uh, oh, go ahead. Daniel went on and on and on off the pod about the grenade exploding. Yes. And how she didn't suffer any shrapnel damage or anything. Just concussive force. Honestly? Yeah, she should have been dead. Because that grenade exploded an awful, pretty close. Well, that and all the other grenades. Yeah, I mean, those were a little further away, maybe a foot or two. But still, I would still think she'd get shrapnel from the door or shrapnel from the door. She would have gotten some shrapnel. She definitely would have been dead. The zombies would have also been dead. And that building probably would have collapsed in on itself with it crumbling all over the place. At least the doorway slash room. Yeah, yeah, there definitely would have been a lot more damage to that than... So there is your answer to your question. Yes. But anyway, Ariel, you were going to say something. It was kind of into that, but kind of not. I love at the end when she was like, okay, I'm going to be a badass. I'm going to take down as many as I possibly can with this chainsaw. You know, I'm not going down without a fight. And then the chainsaw doesn't work. Damn it. Oh, hey, there's a fucking grenade. All right, fine. And then the grenade didn't go off. Hold on. Hold on. The grenade was in a crate. Uh-huh. 
Once you threw the chainsaw down. Yes. And what game do we get tiny little crates that have grenades and other things in? Four. Resident Evil 4. There you go. There's another Easter egg. God damn, they really went hard on this one. Yeah, I thought the grenade was a reference to 4 as well. Mm. But yeah. So um, back to what I was saying. It was just funny because it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a badass. Oh, my chainsaw doesn't work. Oh, I'm going to be a badass. Oh, my grenade didn't work. Damn it. We know why I'm here. B-O-W's. And our new one. The Queen. Oh, yes. Mother Zero. Mama Zero. And her weird growth on the side of her head. That made her shriek like a banshee and control the Zeros. And I was looking at it and apparently she provided the sound for the shriek herself the actress did oh that's cool so they may have had to up it but she provided the shriek herself instead of the sound effects team having to create one that's cool I like that but yeah it was weird and messed up and I was waiting for her to turn around when Jade was up above when she was trapping him in the room I was waiting for Mother Zero to turn around and look right at Jade that would have made it more like horror-like. Yeah. Because if she would have like glanced right up at her. But she still looked confused, like trying to smell the air and everything. But I mean, that they should have had her turn and look right at her. That would have been, yeah, I would have liked that. I feel like, though, that would have sent the wrong message. Uh, that these zombies were intelligent. Because usually those peers and looks, it gives you that... It gives you that subtle message of intelligence behind whatever it is in horror films. So if they would have had the zombie look at her, I feel like it would have given you the false sense of intelligence. Well, they could have also made that lever make noise. Yeah, I mean, they were saying that how with her being Mother Zero, that the T-virus is mutating and causing actual like a more cognitive thought. So you could have explained that uh, sense of intelligence away as the Mother Zero having more cognitive thought. Not necessarily like planning and whatnot, because she may have, in that case, looked up at Jade, but not known that going back through the doorway, she came in and going up a series of ways to get down or get up there to Jade would, you know what I mean? True. Okay. And it could have been that maybe you're right, and like they ha- she has a bit of cognitive thought, but it's not to the point where if she were to turn and look, that amount of cognitive thought, because this is the beginning of mutation, of evolution, of whatever it is of the T virus. This is the beginning stage, so maybe at the beginning stage they don't you know, have as much cognitive thought as to turn and look at somebody because, hey, I know, I sense you up there type of thing. So, through this evolution of the T-virus, it's the like the infant stage, so now, like, I can see now that maybe they didn't want to give the false sense of actual intelligence because it's the, you know, baby stage and it's not quite there yet. I also wonder, too, you could go away from intelligence on this too 
because if it is a mutation, maybe her scent is better. And so the other ones are attracted to blood. We've seen that. So hers could have been attracted to still scent, but, you know, she can smell better in some case. But, I mean, of course, this is all theory or, you know, yeah. like hypothetical. So we don't have that didn't happen, but that would have been a cooler thing to put in. I think they should have done. And they wouldn't have had to explain it because she killed her. They could have explained it at the university or whatever mm-hmm. if, if she ends up going there. And I feel like she was even still a nice little nod to four. As in, she's not... Clearly, they're not infected with the Plaga. And she... But it, it was like a subtle hint towards a host Plaga. Like Sadler. And how he controls the other... Plagas and the other, you know, the Ganados, that she was the host controlling the other. I think that was another little nod towards four. Yeah, maybe she's a reference to four. And she just ironically is, they put her in there, but maybe that's why she's the way she is. Probably. The last thing I wanted to talk about was um, our lovely hero, uh, foreshadowing all of this from the get-go in the most hilarious way possible which was oh yeah great a bunch of zeros with the least containment possible like he when they were brought in and they were walked past all these zombies he immediately went oh yeah this is containment facility is great like super sarcastic about it all implying that yeah no they're gonna break out Yep. <laughs> they didn't even try to hide the foreshadowing. They were just right in your face about it. I want to know what Baxter did to be sent to jail so many times he knew how to break out. <laughs> well, there his is... comment was, what didn't I do, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did you do? What didn't I do? Uh, I want to know what you did. I want to know all what you did. Please tell me. I feel like that's a book that when you open, you immediately will regret opening it and you could never unlearn what you learned. <laughs> no, I feel like the opposite. Or he could have just been saying shit. He could be trained well, trained, quote, trained well enough that he can break out like that. You know, we don't know if he was actually in prison or not. He's been a bullshitter before. Oh, boy. He I could, don't know. Part of me believed him. I mean, he could be. He did like Spongebob. <laughs> That's what and makes the, you a criminal. And the sound of music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only know one thing. That's from the sound of music. <laughs> I only know Edelweiss. And that's from the sound of music. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like we learned a lot from this episode. And I'm going to sum it all up in one simple phrase. Baxter. Baxter's a badass. No reason for religious cults to be here other than a Resident Evil 4 reference. And now we have a queen zombie head. The Done. Brotherhood, a.k.a. Los Illuminatis. Los Illuminatis. So, yeah, sums this episode up completely. Resident Evil 4 from the dollar store. <laughs> I love when Baxter looked at the head in her bag and was like, I don't even want to know. <laughs> you know what? I don't even want to know. Telling you, Resident Evil 4 from the dollar store. That's what this episode was. That's what its title should have been. Oh, gosh. Well, on that note, is there anything else anybody wants to talk about? I think we're pretty. I think I'm pretty good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. 
Well, on that, we're going to go ahead and end the episode. So thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye there. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and a review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at Three Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3CountThoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>